You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled and excited to be hosting three amazing people. Not just one, we get three today. And these three people together, much like if you grew up ever watching the Power Rangers, at times when there was a problem, the Power Rangers would team up and become this super animatronic, really cool creature together. These three people have teamed up to create the message, a new voice for marketing news in Canada. So thank you for being here. It's the best description I've ever heard. That's awesome. That's <laughs> Thank so you for having us. No, no, that nice to us. <laughs> Why don't we go around the room to share about your name, kind of your role within the message, and uh, a bit about yourself? That'd be great. Why don't we start with you, David? Sure. Um, so, David Brown, I'm one of the co founding partners of the message. Um, there from day one, hopefully, in there right through to the end. Um, that's it. That's awesome. And and living in Toronto? Toronto, yep. Toronto. Grew up in Oshawa, but moved to Toronto pretty much as a young adult and been here for yeah, my entire adult life. Um yeah. And before before the matches, I was at Marketing Magazine for that's where I, I got into covering marketing and media. Uh I was at Marketing Magazine from about early two thousand five. Um that's where I really started to learn the business. At that point it was a weekly print magazine, which is wow, we had those. Yeah, we had a weekly print magazine. Weekly. Um, and then I, I, I cut my teeth there in the industry and kept going right until I left in late 2014. Wow. That's amazing. And, mm. and, and now we have this new, uh, iteration. So well, that's the thing. It was, um, you know, it was a print magazine first when I got there, but so I was kind of the, uh, I was the news editor. So all the, uh, the daily news flow came through me. And at that time we were really like everything else at the time reinventing, being reinvented as a, as a, um, as a print, as a digital product, mm-hmm. um, we were doing digital newsletters. At one point, we were doing two newsletters a day, which is also kind of crazy to think. Um, so yeah, that's that was that's where I kind of learned about marketing and learned about digital media at the same time. Amazing. Now, Libby, tell me about yourself. Yep, I'm Libby Bag, also in Toronto, and I am the publisher and now a partner in the message. Not one of the co-founders, sadly, but so not since day one, but. Uh, you know, just pre-pandemic, I joined last January, and uh, I did work at marketing. Um, at that point, Chris and David were both, you know, working for us editorially, but we're not actually within marketing anymore. They had both kind of smartly gone freelance, so we—that's um, how we kind of came to know each other, and that's how I got on board. The message. I'm super happy to be here. No one ever asked me to do anything, so this is exciting. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. And Chris, going up to you, tell me about. Uh, yourself and, and where you're at and where you came from. Uh, yeah. So I've been doing this reporting thing for more years than I care to mention. I started uh, my career uh, in community newspapers covering as a sports writer, actually. And uh, I sort of had aspired to take that and become maybe something of work for a daily on a, on a, on a beat, but that never came to transpire. And I, I, I arrived at marketing, uh, 2001, uh, basically we've been covering the industry in some form or another, uh, ever since sometimes in freelance capacity, sometimes as a staff writer, I, primarily covered the media industry for for many many years and then i've kind of with the message i've kind of moved more towards sort of the creative and strategy aspect of the industry so i'm still on i guess maybe on a bit of a learning curve perhaps behind david and libby and that like i said my i came mostly from the 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 media side of the business so i'm, I'm still learning a bit on the sort of the creative uh, creative and strategy side so you know your stuff pretty well Who are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah well <laughs> 
Yeah. So uh, David and I worked together uh, for several years, obviously, together on staff at Marketing Magazine. We just had an instant sort of connection. We would laugh at the same stupid jokes and, uh, you know, all the usual late night hijinks that come with putting together a weekly magazine uh, with production times that just never seem to end, you know, 9, 10, 11, midnight still working on putting a magazine to bed. So, you know, sort of in the trenches together. And then Libby, uh, obviously, I sort of interacted with Libby when I was, I continued to freelance for marketing for many years after that. So that's sort of where our paths intersected. So That's cool. Thanks, Chris. So David, I need to ask, for those that don't know, what happened to Marketing Magazine? What was the, the story of that? So marketing was owned by Rogers Media. And like a lot of the big media companies, they looked to offload some of the assets that were not really turn, putting out a lot of money, particularly as we went through our, what we all know about is the, the shift from, from print to, to digital. I think Rogers struggled to figure out what to do with it. And it was sold off. It was sold. They sold off a bunch of their trade titles. Not altogether, though. They packaged them up. Libby, you maybe remember this better than me, but but marketing was the one that was sold off on its own. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the competitor, which was kind of, I guess we could talk about this. That was the thing that kind of stung is for mm-hmm. the people that were at marketing is that it was sold to the competitor and effectively killed. The the brand pretty much disappeared except for a couple of the award shows. So that, oh, that wow. stung. Wow. So, and the competitor would be uh, Brunico's strategy, strategy magazine, yeah, the only other yeah. one. Okay. Yeah, so and then Brunico they... strategy, and they have a couple of other titles, Media in Canada, and yeah. a couple of other titles in the space. Okay. And then they just said they, they didn't even kind of keep the site going. They just kind of let it die in the branch or whatever they say and kept their own. Okay. Some of the events. And I mean, yeah. first, so I was publisher of Marketing Magazine. I didn't actually say what I had done earlier. So I was a media planner for a period of time and then um, moved over to Rogers. But one of the things that became very clear when I became publisher of marketing was that really from a revenue perspective, events was really what was holding us all together. It it really wasn't about sort of the content anymore. So that was just a fact. So it wasn't overly surprising to me when, when the purchase happened with Brunico that what they maintained of marketing was the sort of more profitable event portion of the business. And when you say events, it wasn't just like speaker series. It was mostly awards, yeah. awards, awards, awards. Marketing yeah. awards, the Media Innovation Awards were a couple of the sort of flagship properties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Both of which continue to this day. Okay. Yeah. And I think probably there's maybe, I, I don't know if, for sure, but I think there's probably a couple of other ones that are that they've maintained as well. But, but those okay. are the two big ones. The Marketing Awards and the Media Innovation Awards were there too. Yeah. They kept the award show. We actually, we did have a slate of events. Um unrelated to the award shows um but it was the award shows that certainly from a revenue perspective you know drove most of the revenue and those are the ones that as as chris mentioned the brunicos kept going okay so uh, like every amazing superhero they all have an origin story so what was the impetus what was the origin story of the message I'll go. I mean, I remember, so as we said, I had left, but I was still around. I was still writing regular column for marketing and in touch with the, the team regularly. And I, like, pretty much as soon as the, the news broke that it was being sold off, a couple of people reached out to me and, and floated, you know, we should have something else in the space. So that would have been late 2016. And it just kind of never died. We kind of just stuck with it. The hard part was figuring out how to launch a title while also being able to pay our bills and feed ourselves. And that was just the fundamental challenge barrier that it took us from late 2016 to sort of middle of 2018. We knew we could do it. Um, and then we were, we turned the site on by like two, a few days before Christmas in 2018. <laughs> yeah. That, that is really so like, cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so that was it. It was no, nothing more than that. We just kept talking to people. We kept floating it. We kept socializing the idea. Should we do something? What if yeah. we did this? Would this work? And then we, we finally found some partners to make it happen. And, and when you talk about partners and revenue, what does that look like for the message? Like there's always, um, you know, the gated content, there's job boards, there's, you know, awards. What, what is the revenue model for, uh, for the message? Yeah. So subscriptions. I'll, yeah. <laughs> okay. Subscriptions. I was going to say, I'll jump in here. So yeah. um, obviously the origin story is really Chris and David putting this together. But part of the reason David and I had kind of continued to talk about this idea that he was working on. So when we started um, thinking about whether I could come on board and what that would look like, one of the ways I wanted to do that was becoming a partner, a financial partner as well, because the focus, I believe, when we're talking about, you know, publishing and the industry and the challenges we faced, um, not just in B2B, but consumer as well, you know, there has to be an element of, of subscription. And we knew there would have to be a paywall. And we knew the critical part of having a paywall is making sure that we've done enough as a brand. And really what we spent all of last year doing was continuing to make sure we've done enough as a brand that people really love the message. And I know that sounds trite and, and sort of simple, but it, especially when you get into the business stuff, I think sometimes we think of our audience as marketers first or, um, you know, creatives first, but really my whole purpose is, you know, everybody's human. So if it's entertaining, if it's informative, if we can laugh at ourselves, if we can talk about when we make errors, all of those things are going to sort of build the brand to a place where people are going to feel if we ask for a reasonable amount of money, that people are going to feel that they can support us. And that has the advantage to certainly for me, having having been sort of on the on the sales and publishing side, not having to focus entirely on advertiser content. It was just so freeing. And it was I knew it would be, you know, freeing for Chris and David and certainly freeing for me to think more about how do we innovate our content versus what do we think we can sell? Um, and yeah. that's, you know, I've been in publishing since 2006. And and that's almost all of our, our ideas had to come from what do we think we can sell and who will buy it rather than yeah. how do we innovate the content? So we knew the subscription piece would be the right way to make sure that we continue to innovate on the content side. And, and it's a good gut check because your bosses become the people who actually read the content. So it's, it's, uh, it's sort of a win-win for everybody. So I started reading it. Like I, I think it was it was a, a simpler site than even it is now. I think it was just like a one kind of row at the top type of thing, and and I would read it, and then I subscribed to the e newsletter, and the e newsletter would remind me of kind of what the new articles are, and I would watch it, and I would forward the email, I would send articles to different people, and then eventually it got to the point where like you did a call out to become a friend, right? It was like become a friend, subscribe. And then jumping forward, it was now when I go, if I forgot to log in or somehow I was logged out, I can only view, is it three articles? Yeah. Is, that, is that the max? Yeah. Okay, so tell me about the process of how you went from like, you did a call out to friends and then you eventually put the gate on, I guess. That first version, it was almost like, it was almost like a um, um, Kickstarter yeah. or, or okay. one of those. Just, it was basically saying, if you believe in us, can you chip in some money? Yeah. Um, that was their first real ask for revenue. And what was the um, ask? Do you remember how much? Was it kind of whatever you could afford, or was it was there a certain amount you were asking for? I think that this was the one that we did in late 2019. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think we just let people do what they wanted. It was yeah. really, and I remember this was before I officially came on board in January. But I remember talking about doing this, and I was like, "Let's see, let's let's see whether people." And for me, you know, again, a little, little bit of a litmus test in coming on board is, you know, people say they love the message, they feel like there needs to be another voice, they need all of this stuff. 
but will they actually pay enough? And again, like, you know, we were very focused on our competitive analysis for what we would ultimately charge. And we knew what our universe would be. But we sort of thought, you know, if we give people the option, do they like our brand enough right now in, you know, December of 2019 to give us a bit of money? And, uh, and they did. Yeah, I was one. I was one. I was one because I was. Well, thank you. I, I I was also a bit blown away of like because there was no ads anywhere. No. Like I was so used to going to say and 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 again, maybe I, I I could be wrong here, but even on a smell test, there was no advertorials as well. None. It We've felt like I went Apple, in, but no, okay. hardly any. Yeah, not not and, not, not very many. <laughs> yeah. So I was just thinking, and again, from someone that actually enjoyed the content, and and it, you made it simple. I feel like people ask me to go to like Patreon or go to this site and go to that site, and then you have to do a dance over there, and then we'll get the money. It was such a nice way to be like, hey, we're putting out good stuff. Give us money if you think it's good. It was a nice, I, I thought it was a great simple thing. There's no game to it. It was just simple. <laughs> yeah. It was a simple ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hope it's not too sort of a Pollyanna thing, but you hope that no, it wasn't at all. By doing yeah, good was- content, you're going to attract people who, who are who are looking for good content. That's, I mean, yeah. I don't know, you know, I, I think it's becoming increasingly feasible. If, if you look around what's happening uh, from a media perspective. Yeah. Uh, New York Times, Globe Mail, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, no. even the one in, in a lot of the new digital media titles that have started have started this way. Like I remember at the time when we were first thinking about this. Um, now this is I'm kind of going to kind of contradict myself here, but Axios was just getting started, and Axios was going to start. Uh, their whole thing was we're going to charge, we're going to subscribe, and that came out of the uh, political. Those guys were political founders, and they, they, they did that. Now Axios turns out hasn't had to charge subscriptions but everyone else has the information the logic you know another great title here in canada it started up and there the starting point was going to be we have to be subscription based you just have to to support media today you have to have people paying for it directly because the ad model isn't going to work and you call your subscribers friends of the message correct yeah and, and the benefit being is i don't get gated after three articles and um, but I still get the same. We all get the same e newsletter. But again, the problem with the e newsletter is that you tempt us. It's like Menchie's. It's like <laughs> try this little bit of an article, and then you click on it, and then you realize, oh, I'm not logged in, or I'm not a subscriber. So that's where you get the revenue. And is it a monthly fee every month? Like, what's the pri- what's the price point now for those that are oh, listening? Yeah, it's an annual fee of okay. for it seventy five dollars. Wowzers! For one year. For one year. So, so can you get? Was it just a? Was that a dartboard decision, or was that like? Was there? No. I wish I science could science. Yeah, None of our decisions are dartboard decisions. No, <laughs> they're they're, they're yeah. the subject of endless discussions and debates. Yeah, no, we did. So I started with a competitive analysis and we kind of spoke as a team um, and talked about where we thought we would kind of net out. I think it really, you know, we knew with our competitive set sort of, we wanted to be, uh, we, we were not, we don't have a big enough team that we would be able to put a whole bunch of amazing resources behind a paywall at this point we knew it would be sort of similar content to what you're getting so it was more just being honest and open with our audience and saying you know obviously our plan is to grow the message i know chris and david don't want to be our the only writers of all the content you know forever so it was really when we took a look at that competitive analysis we sort of said you know we'd like to be under a hundred dollars we know from our experience on marketing magazine generally what the universe is. So we sort of said, you know, if we can get, and our goal, our big goal for this year is um, 3,000 paid subscribers. You know, nice. if we can get 3,000 paid subscribers this year, you know, the the joy of this and not having to work, you know, all of us, as we said, have worked at Rogers, but for Bell, any of these big media companies, there's just so much overhead cost. And so 
if we can run this fairly leanly and continue to grow the team, um, you know, it's it's a whole new model of of what media can look like and sort of what media actually needs to look like. So we were, yeah, it was definitely not a dartboard decision. We we know it's less expensive and it's actually amazing when you do the math for people because people will be like, you know, can we get a group rate? Can we get a group discount? And then you do the math and you're like, it's literally $75 a year. So once you do the math, I have to say everyone's been been pretty pretty reasonable. We, we had to do that version of the invest in a cup of coffee a week. So <laughs> we it makes it real for people. Yeah, we did a ridiculous wow. promo video where we, we kind of went almost right into that territory. <laughs> Amazing. Now, are you? Do you have the kind of glass ring? Do you ever want to go back to the? Oh man, we want to be a magazine again one day, or we want to print out something physical? Yeah, I, I would. I, I maybe shaking her head. But I, God no. I would yeah. love to do a print product at some point. I, yeah. I just miss print, particularly for this industry where there's yeah. such pretty stuff to look at. So it wouldn't be a print magazine, but like some sort of special print products, I think would be fantastic at some point. Like a print celebration once a year. So, even like the, the people still have awards annuals and those kinds of things. Like it's yeah. just, a, it's an industry that lends itself to print. Um, but Perfect bond with high gloss paper, Louis. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. This is actually where it's good. This is where our, this is where our, our differing perspectives come in. Because Amazing. Yeah, for me, I'm obviously a money person, but also yep. I, I also am sort of like, I don't know, do we want to kill these trees? Do people actually, yeah. it, it's one of those things that I'm like, again, people say they love it and they really want a beautiful looking magazine, but then it's like, well, will they pay for it? I mean, yeah, product. It's, it, it would be an adjunct to what we do and, and sort of yeah. like, like to, to David's point, special one-offs, like, you know, once a yeah. year, twice a year, whatever the case may be. But I, I honestly, I would say that, that's not even on our radar right now. No. That's like a, on our sort of a wish list, right? I think right now our focus is on we got to grow our audience and grow our subscriber base. That's that's where we're focused. And I would say even for me, if I was to just do a quick analysis of of me again, I'm one like I'm an agency owner in Vancouver. You know, it is I spend more time in your e newsletter and reading your e newsletter and forwarding it than I do on your actual website. Yeah. Sure. As you, and, and because I just find it so convenient and I'm like, I don't want to miss anything and what's happening. And it's usually inspirational. It's interesting. It's, it's yeah. the letters, like the, excuse me, what do you call that when you, the person who does the kind of intro to the e-newsletter is hilarious. If you actually read it. Oh, like, that's, my, 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 that's the Monday one. Yeah. Like it's like the non-editor one. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, well are you talking about mine? <laughs> well, but to, to that point, I mean, we've always sort of said like we want to. It sounds kind of uh, I don't know what, how what to desc- how to describe it, but we we want to be audience friendly, and we want people to see our genuine enthusiasm and love for this industry. We we are not just like sort of hoping to enrich ourselves by this. We are, there's, there's a genuine sort of a, a investment in this and what we're doing, what we're covering. We all love the space. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and we just want to cover it the way it deserves to be covered, I think. So those that grew up in Canada and, and got those commercials brought to you by this heritage moment, brought to you by Heritage Canada, right? So, you know, the first woman voting and these kind of like old school commercials, that department 
released a new update this last year, the Heritage Department, where they are now funding called like support for periodicals, digital only publications. Yeah, um, which was a big announcement for those that maybe don't know. What, what, Libby, what are your thoughts on that? And and is that exciting? Are you guys part of that? Did you apply? It's very exciting. We did apply. We are going to be finding out whether we've been successful at, very shortly. So um, it's good good timing that you brought it up. But um, yeah, I mean, we're super. That was something that, to be honest, we hadn't really thought. I certainly hadn't thought through from a business perspective when I started in January. But then when we started to sort of ask around and figure out what kind of support there was out there for this type of content. Yeah, the Heritage Grant was 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 one of them. There's actually a number um, that we had applied for. It was a little challenging for us. We applied for a bunch in the summer. It was hard in our first year. And because we were so focused on not taking advertising money and we, we hadn't yet launched the paywall, you know, on paper, that doesn't look great. <laughs> so even though, you know, investors and we, we knew sort of, you know, where all the money was coming from, but it certainly... I think we'll be in a different situation, certainly, um, if we reapply this summer. But yeah, we've been we've been fortunate that there's been that kind of support, and um, and there needs to be to help this sort of stuff, you know, thrive and be successful in the in the market. Yeah. So huge thanks to Magazines Association of Canada for advocating. The board was a huge advocate to uh, make that change happen federally, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So. Can we kind of like uh, hold our breath, be excited about some awards that you'll be launching? Is that going to be coming out of the message? Or what, what are sort of maybe new iterations could we be looking forward to coming from uh, your brand? So do you guys do you guys want me to take this? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I mean, awards is, is, I'll just say awards is fascinating to me because it's such a, again, with this industry, it's such a polarizing topic where people um, say there's too many award shows and there's too much attention on award shows, but the number of people who have come to me (laughs) and said, you guys should do an award show. I've been like, what, Uh, what really? (laughs) So yeah, no, we, I mean, we think about it. I don't know. Maybe you can go from there if you want. Yeah. I mean, we did, I don't know if you had seen Darren at the end of um, 2020 in December, we did the mighty awards, the mighty list. Yes. Um, yes. So, Which I thought was fun. It was yeah. more like it wasn't. Yeah, it was cool. It was super. And the idea behind it again, and to, to Dave's point, you know, the thing with the award shows is so many people believe they're just cash grabs now, whether, you know, you can debate that forever. I'm not saying they are, but a lot of people feel that way. So, you know, if we were to launch something, the only way I think we would do it reasonably is, you know, is there a charitable element? Is there, you know, I personally wouldn't be like, you know, you have to cut us a whole new reel for our award show. Like, you know, let's find ways that we could do it. Like, you know, you know, do you have a reel for can? We'll take that. Do you have a reel for whatever? We'll take that too. So if we were even to, to consider doing it, I think, you know, the mighty list would probably be, have been the beginning of that. But again, it would, it would have to be different enough from what, what's out there, but you're, yeah, about the, 400th person to ask us about the award show. So, yeah, we have to figure out. We have to figure out some way. If we were to do it, it has to be different. In some way, corrects the 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 many recurring themes about problems of traditional award shows. Otherwise, we we can't just do another version because it's just not good for the industry, and people won't people won't love it. People will see it as a cash grab, as Bibi says. It seems to run counter to our kind of our ethos for whatever, you know, however you want to describe that, but it feels like that, you know, not that it's a a completely closed off Avenue, but to the, to the reasons David mentioned, it it feels like it runs a bit counter to, you know. And that's what was kind of fun about the mighty list, I think. And I say fun 
being the person who absolutely did not work on writing it. <laughs> but the fun idea behind it was that it was sort of Chris and David and they don't like to big up themselves this way. So I will, but just, it was really about them in kind of a Siskel and Ebert style. This is what we loved. And they're yes. uniquely qualified to do that because, you know, they spend all day, you know, reporting on, on this industry and the, and the sort of people within it and the campaigns within it. And I just don't think there's anybody better suited to kind of comment on, you know, what's happening and what's sort of floating to the top and, and what they like than these guys, because they're just so deeply embedded in it with no ties. And, you know, again, with our focus on subscription versus advertising, you know, if you made the mighty list, it's because Chris and David legitimately think you were awesome and you did some yep. great work that year. So I, I, I think that's a big part of who we want to be as a brand is that, you know, you can trust us and you can trust that what we're saying it because we honestly believe it. So, so I don't have to buy a magnifying glass or, or take the one from my kid's Waldo book and say, is this sponsored content, partnership content right. brought to you by? You know? Right. Now I will say before anybody thinks I'm like too Pollyanna about the whole thing. I mean, I am not averse to advertising. I would never say that. Um, God, what I, I hope not. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm definitely not averse to it. Um, what I am more is, and where I think ultimately we're going to go is advocating partnerships that are more like, you know, in a really classic old school example, kind of the good housekeeping uh, model, which was, you know, if we try a product or we hear about a product that we think is great, we will tell people about it and we will, you know, happily take money for it. But we won't just throw things up there that just, you know, and there's so many people who pitch us ideas all the time. They're like, you know, can we do a regular column or a series about this specific like angle? And we always say, listen, you can always pitch a story. Uh, I'm the person who always says you can pitch a story. It's ultimately up to Chris and David, thank God. But, you know, if this becomes, you know, we could make a lot of quick money if we just wanted to sell space. That's the truth of the matter. We could have made a lot more money last year by saying yes all the time instead of instead of saying no. But um, but we really believe that this is the way to build a brand properly. And I think all three of us are really committed to to making sure that this has some longevity. And and so that subscription base is is going to be super critical for that. It's awesome. David, I, I love what you said. You mentioned, you know, the trends of award shows. What what are those? What are you seeing? You 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 know, you were at marketing. You're seeing the industry. What are some of the maybe the common themes that you notice that maybe need to be changed? Need to be changed. The parts of it need to be changed. I think it's the it's the eight the the biggest one and the the recurring complaint is just about the uh, giving awards to work. How do you put this nicely? That is created for award shows more than for driving business results dog walkers, whatever you want to call it, uh, or charity work that, you know, the charity work, there's amazing, amazing charity work, but some of it's made for a charity. Some of it, some of it is an idea that an agency comes up with and they go and find a charity to, to take it. <laughs> um, as opposed to that, say the, the, the big one here, of course, in Canada is the sick kids foundation campaigns, which have just been incredible work for the past several years. Sick kids foundation is a, is a very serious, sophisticated marketing operation. Um, it's a real client with 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 I would I would suggest some some difficult briefs that the agencies have just really done amazing work with. So it's it that's the big one is making sure that the award shows are recognizing air quotes real work for real clients. Um, that's the big one. Okay, no, that's great. So I, I got to ask, you're so far into this. Have you uh, ever been confused, or have you come across the message written by Eugene Peterson, the book? Has that has that come across your path? No, the, the the one that came up, I don't even know that to be honest. But the one we hear about is there's a 
is there's there's um religious organizations that's it that, so that's popped up a few times yeah 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 and the message is is a religious that it one. was it was a redo of the bible written in normal people's language see i didn't even know that the the, the, the inspiration for us was definitely McLuhan. yeah yes okay so which is, so which, which is what i thought yeah that's where it came from that was our starting point as a, and so then after we found out about that stuff and so we did talk about that should we do this can we do this and we said oh let's do it that's so cool. So, uh, Libby, I, I have to ask. So, uh, famously, uh, we all know of Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Superman, right? We know of Peter Parker worked, you know, as a photographer for a newspaper. Yeah. Uh, and then, what about Geronimo Stilton? Did you realize that there is a children's hero who is also a reporter by day? I did not. I, it's funny. Yes. Yeah, my my one son has read a lot of Geronimo Stilton, and it goes to show you how much I don't really oversee what he's reading because no, <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, so he he is a reporter. So what I want to ask with that is, uh, what's your take on on reporters' day and the thoughts of reporting? And you guys, are, you're actually doing writing. You're doing good reporting, and and you know you're you're putting the energy and you're putting the time in. What's that feel like for you right now in a time when you always are hearing about newsrooms that are being dieted or you know dropped and and thinned down? What's it like actually being like, man, we're gonna fight and we're gonna have an amazing newsroom? And and you're talking about even adding reporters. <laughs> Hmm. So I'll, I'll go first on this. I I went through that time, and I'll say Rogers Media because it was at Rogers Media, but it wasn't just Rogers Media. Yeah. All those big media companies have just been cutting, starting going back yeah. to sort of two thousand six or seven. So I I, I kind of lived through those cuts, and um, every couple of years we'd go through one. And I just thought yeah. it, it, my I was thinking by the time is this doesn't end. It, this is just where it's going, and so we I've got to do something create something new on my own. Um, and so that was one of the factors I'd been thinking about. We used to, Chris and I, and, and some of the other guys used to talk about this back in like early, late two thousands. And we always sort of talk about, you know, starting our own thing because y- you could tell, and it wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't mean bosses. It wasn't a mean company. It just was the reality of what the industry was going through. Um, so we wanted to, create this thing with this model, which we've talked about already, where we thought we could be hopefully create something new and sustainable. And this mm-hmm. is that's what we're trying to do. It's amazing. Yeah. And and as of recent, Bell did a big cut. And I think the the pushback and the feedback was just it was devastating. I think, you know, people, you know, got, you know, the day of notice that they were losing their jobs in the media space that they spent years, you know, going to school for and years investing in. And then the next day they were kind of flying solo. Yeah. I think I think that was as um, David was saying, I mean, I worked on the consumer publishing side before I moved to the B2B yeah. side. And, um, you know, I was part of the team that helped launch Hello into Canada. And Hello was interesting because it did so well on newsstands. Um, and so that was really rare for a Canadian publication. And then moving into this B2B space, I mean, similar to consumer, you could just feel that we were taking all of, and I, you know, use the royal we of, you know, people who were in sort of the executive positions, not because they were being mean, but it was just trying to figure out how to manage the resources. So we kept cutting and cutting and cutting the editorial staff when really, you know, that's your product. So when you start to, to cut that back to an extent that, you know, listen, I, I'm a salesperson myself. I'm like, I don't need five salespeople. I need more editors because we need people to actually like the product. And again, it feels like it should be super intuitive. Um, You know, I think we all know once we let the horse out of the barn of, you know, when I was a media planner, I would always ask for free sort of website digital stuff um, after, you know, after we had negotiated a huge media buy. 
And I would get everything, we would get everything for free. And so once we realized what a big mistake that was, it was almost impossible to claw it back. So, you know, I think any model where we can focus on improving the product, and that goes for, you know, you know, for us on the message, having more writers, that being a real priority, that's what we're going to do. So anything we can do in service of that and any model we have that will be in service of making your product better makes sense to us. Yeah, and I think the Heritage Canada funding is to get more Canadian writers writing content about Canada. So let's, yeah, let's and hope. to be clear, like the, the the ambition here is huge. Like there's every day, there's so many things we wish we could do, and we just can't get to it. But the the, the opportunity is there. I think it's in a fascinating, dynamic space, and so we want to do much more than we can do right now. All right. So maybe give the balance of kind of your role in you know writing about the industry and talking about the industry versus like these 13 associations and clubs that exist in Canada, right? There, there, there's so many, every acronym under the sun, ICA, ACA, you know, AMA. What do you see as kind of your relationship between writing about and, and kind of the writing they're doing or kind of their work investigating the industry? Um, they're important. They have a lot of membership and they do a lot of um, important work for the industry. There's no doubt. Um, it is a bit unique in Canada in that it does seem to be um, more competitive than other markets. Um, and they are competing. They're competing for membership. Um, and they should, I mean, there's, there's sometimes they have, they're, they're, sometimes they're frenemies and sometimes they're just enemies, I think. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say with each other, not with us, to be clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that, and no, they, but, but I've always adhered to the philosophy, and I've been doing this a long time now, fair and principled. That's kind of the approach I've always taken to journalism, regardless of whether I was writing for a small town community newspaper or writing for a publication that has a, you know, a, an invested widespread audience uh, like The Message. Uh, fair and balanced. And it's weird now because I see journalists get raked over the coals for not taking more of a stance. You say it like New York Times, especially during the Trump era, you would see journalists uh, being lambasted on Twitter for not being, you know, they, they, they were being asked to take a stand. And I, I don't know what the new journalism training is. I've been, like I said, I've been out of the, out of the uh, education system for a long time. And I don't know how journalists are being trained now, but my, my, my training was always, you, you're impartial, but you're fair. And, and I fundamentally, I believe that that's, that's our role. We are, we are just chroniclers. We are, we are not shaping agendas. We are reporting on facts yeah. We are not, that's I mean, great. you know, I mean, that, that, no, we can, you can write something as a column and have an editorial stance. That's fine. As long as it's labeled as such. But I mean, yeah. as, as what we're fundamentally doing is we are just trying to cover the industry, yeah. the good, the bad and the ugly. And sometimes, you know, sometimes things come up. They're not always showing people or organizations in the best light, perhaps, or, or there's maybe not even that, but maybe it's more, there's just, you know, something that's contentious. And it's our obligation to cover it. We, we're not yeah. taking sides. We're not uh, trying to be mean-spirited or anything like that. We are journalists doing what journalists have done for <laughs> hundreds of years. And this is, you know, the profession itself is fundamentally unchanged. It's gathering, yeah. disseminating information and distributing yeah. information. So, yeah. And because of that, Geronimo Stilton becomes a very good uh, investigator. He, he helps the police and he helps uncover crimes mm. and problems in his hometown. So because he goes in collecting facts and he's not biased. Yeah. which I think is is so great. And which and then, I think so many people go in with their biases, which uh, skews the ability to understand what's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, so on that, you've been covering this world, this industry for, for years, right? And you're still covering it now. 
just to our listeners right now, what are you seeing in this next year? What are some trends you're watching? What are some things that you maybe you're amazed by or shocked by, or you're like, man, this year is going to be, I'm going to see a lot of this in the world of marketing and advertising. It's hard to, have, it's hard to make predictions right now yeah. because of what we're all going through. Um, yeah. I mean, literally kind of a year ago, when almost coming up to the date, of course, everyone's marketing plans for 2020 got just thrown out the window almost. Yeah. Um, everything stopped. Everything had to reset. Um, so I think a lot of, so not a lot, but some markets had to like literally rethink what they stood for as a brand. Yeah. And so I think that I think, and even now we've not just been quiet the past few weeks after holidays. I think there's a lot going on activity in the space in terms of production, but it's been quiet in terms of new brand stuff. But I think some of the things that we were seeing before COVID I still are still unresolved things about brands trying to the, the, the obsession with having um, brand purpose. Do we have to be a purposeful brand challenges around digital media in terms of the targeting and ad tech problems and challenges, what do they do on social media? I think one of the most interesting stories of last year was the, um, the Facebook boycott. I think mm-hmm. there's the, that issue is just a huge issue. And so that's unresolved and, and uh, even apart from COVID, but I think those are those are the kinds of the issues that were still that were big issues before COVID and will main issues even as we come out of it. Those are a couple of them anyway. Have you registered your news outlet with like Google News, Apple News, Facebook News, so it pulls your feed into their feeds? No. Okay. No. Is it was that intentional or is that just uh, having just, even, the, the most important thing for us? Uh, for me personally, I, I actually I, I don't want to speak for the group, but was in we've already talked about this. This is the newsletter. To me, we want to have that personal one to one connection. We want people to sign up and ask us to be in their inbox eventually every day. So SEO, I mean, it sounds absurd. SEO stuff we haven't really thought much about because we want people to be asking for us to be there. We want to yeah. be in the inbox every day. So that's that's the only reason we should do it. We should do it. We just haven't. I don't know if that. Right. I don't know if you guys want to say anything about that. No, I think it just wasn't. You know, to your point, it wasn't a super priority. And I think because we're B two B and it is such a focused industry, we like to believe that what we're getting. You know, we're not looking to have mass consumer reach with with the message necessarily. Although that'd be great if anybody's listening and feels like signing up. Um, but, you know, given that we're such a, you know, we're a pretty tight little industry. So we've been really fortunate and and certainly what the guys have built with the message. And you mentioned it too, Darian, like the ability for people to just kind of pass along the newsletter makes people generally usually a little bit curious about what we are and, and they end up checking us out. So it, I wouldn't say we wouldn't do it. I don't think we took right. a chance to That's say right. no. Um, yep. We just, it hasn't been a priority. Okay. So Chris, David, Libby, being wordsmiths and artists of words, and you worked at a magazine called Marketing Magazine. What is the difference in the words and kind of the action of like marketing versus advertising versus communications and PR? Because I'm seeing them kind of like smushed all together, like your kid's Play-Doh. And and it's all like, come on, keep the colors separate. But then they've mushed it all together, right? In that one container. So are you seeing the smush or are you kind of mean like, no, we're just covering marketing, not advertising? (laughs) No, and that's actually, uh, we have this discussion uh, all the time about sort of what constitutes quote unquote marketing these days, you know? It's, I mean, and it's, it's so varied from like, you know, does, does consumer experience ladder up to marketing? You know, some people would argue that, yes, it does. So uh, we're mindful of that. Yeah, I mean, we're very mindful of the fact that we, we are not covering traditional sort of, you know, what's a 30-second TV ad that's running here or, or this ad that's running uh, on, on a billboard somewhere. It's it's It's... You know, trying to be mindful of the fact that marketing does encompass far more than advertising to people. 
it's sort of all facets of your business. I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, again, we're sort of restricted by the fact that we are literally, uh, you know, it's, we're a, a su- super small operation and you're trying to cover multiple things at the same time. So, yeah. but at the least we, we, we do try to be cognizant of that. Yeah. And David, would you say all four of those words are kind of under the marketing umbrella or just kind of in the same no, camp? No, absolutely. Or... I, think, I think for sure everything from the customer experience, uh, and it's interesting how much customer experience has been reinvented the past, again, past year. Yeah. Um, but the online experience, online shopping experience, you know, how many people have, have sort of experienced their brands for the first time online in the past year and either been disappointed or thrilled. Um, that's massive. That's huge. And then beyond that, the, the community, back to the communications, you you mentioned communications and advertising. I think the importance of, and this isn't, this isn't brand new either. Certainly we've been seeing this for years, but the way, what one thought is sort of PR tactics or the responsibility of PR agencies increasingly being done by ad agencies and, and, and the opposite. We're seeing PR agencies want to do advertising uh, ads and content now. So absolutely. I think those things are all thrown in the blender and getting mixed up and what's an ad agency anymore versus what's a PR agency. All of that stuff's up in the air. Yeah. I don't know if that answers it, but no, that's really helpful. Really helpful. Libby, I want to give you the last word here. Oh wow! Why should someone subscribe and, where do they go? How do they make this happen? How do they start getting this love and magic in their inbox? And, and what's the process to, to be able to get access to the full articles? Totally. So if you go to our website, www.theslashmessage.com or, or dash message.com, which is the critical differentiator, that dash is the difference between our website and a super religious website, as we, as we discussed. There's a place, a button that's very clearly noted. It says subscribe. You can sign up for our newsletters, which are free, but to your point, Darian, so after you read three articles, you'll be pushed to our, our paywall where you can hopefully feel like you've, you've gotten enough from the message to part with, you know, $75 for the year and um, help us reach our goal for this year, which is, as I said, you know, to get, we can get 3000 people. So that's less than our email newsletter list. So if everybody on our current email newsletter list were to do this right now, we would reach our our, our, our goal for this year. So it's, it's very doable and um, we'd be super appreciative. We want to continue to, to have the message be a totally unbiased voice for our industry. And um, we want to, we also want to show that you can still make publishing viable. And so we, we really appreciate all the support that, uh, that we've had thus far and all the support that hopefully we're, we're still going to, we're still going to get. And we'll continue. Did you say, did you say dot com? .ca. .ca. Yeah. Did we say- Whoa. <laughs> I can't let me have the last word, you guys. This was a perfect example. I didn't even count it. Sierra would be very happy to hear that you're encouraging people and, and promoting .ca versus .com. <laughs> <laughs> you could get a jingle soon. .ca. .ca. <laughs> totally. We should work on a jingle, guys. That's a good idea. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Darren. This is my job all the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for giving time to our listeners and sharing about the message, how it started, what you're seeing. It's it's a real honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Thanks everyone for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.